Good morning, church. Happy New Year. So how were your New Year's celebrations? Wild and crazy? <laughs> well, mine was pretty quiet this year since uh, my wife, Terry, was recovering from an illness. So we stayed home, ate a nice home-cooked meal, watched a little bit of TV, and uh, at the strike of midnight, immediately went to bed. <laughs> These days, it's hard to stay up that late. But in the years past, when we, we did go out on New Year's Eve to parties that friends or family hosted, usually uh, we would have to drive home pretty late. It's usually like 2 in the morning. And whenever I'm driving at that time of day, you usually have to be very careful looking out for other drivers who may have taken one too many drinks that evening. So that's one of the precautions that I usually like to do. And you know this, this truth, this reality, that you could be the safest driver in the world, but you can still get into accidents because of another driver's error. One time I was uh, driving home from Southern California, and when I got to the grapevine on I-5, there's that steep downhill stretch of road near the end of the grapevine. If you've driven that, you know what I'm talking about. Well, on this particular occasion, as I was driving northbound, the woman driving the car to my left wanted to change into my lane. Um, most drivers, usually out of a bad habit, after you drive a while, you're always dependent or you actually depend on your mirrors, and you don't really bother to look over your shoulder. So actually, a lot of times we do make that move to the lane next to us, then we remember to look over our shoulder, but we already made that move. Well, this woman did exactly just that. But the problem was, I was in her blind spot. When she saw my car in her way to move over, she panicked and swerved the car to the left to avoid hitting me. Now, on my end, I saw her drift into my lane and then suddenly jerk back out of my lane. And to be on the safe side, I decided to gradually move to the right lanes to get out of her way, thinking I would be safe. However, to my shock, the next thing I saw was her car at a dead stop in front of me, crosswise along all the lanes. I braked as hard as I could, and thank God I did not broadside her. We could have all died there, starting a chain reaction of rear-end collisions coming down that steep grade on the grapevine. And if you've driven that, you know there's a lot of big rigs that go on that route. And fortunately, none of them hit us. She basically turned her steering wheel to the extreme left in her panic, and when she saw I was in her blind spot, she erred on the other way by turning back to extreme right, overcompensating to get her car back straight on the road, but instead ended up crosswise. Now, the moral of the story is blind spots can kill you. Blind spots are areas that you cannot see but should, and they're not just physical but also spiritual. We all have them both individually and corporately as a church. 
The effects of not dealing with our blind spots can be devastating, but God has a plan for us to deal with them. Self re- well, in this current message series, we're going to look at six particular blind spots that many of us have, and as I just said, self-reliance is one of them, inward focus, conflict resolution, busyness, material affluence, and perfectionism. These six blind spots are very common for each one of us and as a whole as a church. And together, we're going to learn what the Bible teaches to correct them. Each of these six areas do have an upside, so it's not all bad, but we must also be aware of the dark side of these areas. And historically, if you were around in the late 90s here at Christian Layman Church, or if you have attended one of our membership classes, you have heard of a document we call the Prayer Action Plan. And this plan was adopted in April of 1999, and it was the result of a season of discernment during a time our church faced serious challenges and leadership issues. And as part of our self-evaluation and learning, we held two important conferences. One was called Living in Christ, and the other Setting Your Church Free, which resulted in this historical action plan. And in those seminars, we recognized that through our culture, through our family histories, through our own church history and experience, there are often certain bondage or sin that is passed along from generation to generation. And this is what we um, studied and acknowledged, and we came up with this plan. We corporately identify six blind spots that can affect us spiritually if we don't deal with it proactively. And this action plan is intended for us to review ever so often to make sure we don't let our natural tendencies to become blind spots and to fall into bad habits. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. King David wrote these words and asked this of God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This prayer request applies to us too, both individually and also corporately. Because the church is made up of individuals, the blind spots of our people will manifest themselves in our church identity as a whole. This year will be the year of new beginnings, which I spoke about last week. And it will benefit us if we are aware of our blind spots as we prepare for the transitions that this next season for our church. Today, I'm going to cover the issue of self-reliance or self-sufficiency, which can counter our dependency on Jesus. And this morning, I want us to look at the parable of the vine and branches from John 15, and we're going to look at verses 5 to 8. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to follow along in them. I'm sure it's going to be projected on the screen behind me. So starting with verse 5 from John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And jumping down to John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And that is the word of the Lord. So let me pray for us to prepare for this time before we dive a little deeper into this passage. Heavenly Father, help us to see, hear, know what you want us to experience. Transform us through your word that never returns void. Show us the way to wholeness and vitality of life in Jesus Christ, a way that is completely opposite to what we are comfortable with or familiar with. Examine us through the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our blind spots, both individually and corporately. Mold us, shape us to be more like Jesus each and every day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I pray this in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, having self-reliance is not totally bad. I mean, as parents, that's what we hope for in our children. We raise them to be responsible people, to be capable and competent, to be able to do things on their own, to care for themselves, so that eventually they can be independent living adults one day. And that's the responsibility as parents. But there's a problem if there's only self-reliance in the absence of some dependency on others. And this is applies especially in our spiritual relationship with God. Our world that is based on meritocracy, we encourage and reward self-reliant people. The ones with the most skill and abilities rise to the top, which can then lead to, unfortunately, pridefulness and arrogance. But in God's world, it is the opposite. He looks for the humble, the weak, who know their skills and abilities are not enough and sometimes can get in the way of God. God's work requires dependency on God and on Jesus. Reliance on Jesus over self allows us to serve God. And we see this in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In last week's message from 2 Corinthians 5, I said, as new creations in Christ, we have a new purpose. Instead of pleasing ourselves, we are to please God in what we do. And to please God, we serve him. And from verse 5 in John 15, Jesus is telling us that we cannot do anything unless we have him in our lives we must be connected to Jesus. Jesus uses here in this, in this passage the metaphor of the vine and branches of a plant. And those of us who are gardeners and we grow things like vegetables, we know that the vine is important to the rest of the plant because all the nutrients come up from the roots of the vine. And if a branch is cut off from the vine, it will die without any sustenance. And obviously, there will not be any fruit. 
And Jesus is applying this to serving God, that if we disconnect ourselves from Jesus, there will be no fruit, because God's work requires this particular ingredient, and that is different from any of our natural talents or abilities. To do God's work requires supernatural power, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. And we can only have this power flowing through us if we remain in Jesus, and Jesus remains in us. Next, reliance on Jesus over self avoids negative consequences. And we see this in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I don't think being burned in a fire is very pleasant. And I understand to die by fire is the worst death anyone can have. But here, Jesus seems to be implying that if we are not connected to him, we will be judged. And remember last week, I said all of us will come before the throne of God on Judgment Day and be evaluated for what we have done or not done. To escape God's condemnation, there is a get-out-of-jail-free card, and that is in the person of Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is a wonderful promise that God gives Jesus to us to spare us that judgment. Reliance on Jesus avoids negative consequences and answers prayers. And that's what we can find in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, on the, on the surface, this is an amazing promise from Jesus, right? I mean, who doesn't want their prayers answered? Especially if you wish for something and Jesus says, it is done, you can have it. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is probably not your reality. That is not being truthful here. So let's get honest. Well, more to the context of what Jesus is talking about, he's not talking about when you're wishing to win the lottery and it doesn't happen. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. But I'm going to give a little bit more information about the context of what Jesus meant here in a verse a little bit later. But for now, it's good to know that being reliant on Jesus allows us to ask God for things in prayer. Inviting God to be part of the process of serving him is so very important. God is so happy to release his power for our sake when we ask. And this is only possible if we have Jesus in us. And if you recall, at the end of last year, we had a financial goal we needed to reach as a church. And we had a drive to raise the funds. But prior to the drive, we decided to devote a month prior to the drive to prayer and fasting. And we happened to call it Be Still Tuesdays, where the leadership committed to doing this invited and invited the whole church to join us. 
Now, on the side, I came up with that, that name for that, that month of being Be Still Tuesdays is because often on Tuesdays we have our staff meetings and uh, I get hungry and Tuesdays are usually Taco Tuesdays. So I said, oh, why not we call it Be Still Tuesdays? So that's a little bit of the origin of that. But we wanted to explicitly make God a part of this campaign and not seem we were doing this on our own. We are not better without God, but with him. And you all know the ending of that story, that we were able to raise the funds that we needed and actually surpassed the targeted goal, proving again you can't outgive God if you are reliant on him. Next, reliance on Jesus over self demonstrates being followers of Jesus. And we see this in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Plain and simple, being a Christian is to be like Jesus. To be his disciple is our goal, to learn from his example so that when others see us, they see Jesus. And this is a total makeover of who we are because this transformation into his likeness can be done only with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. No matter how hard we work at it and looking like him on the outside, the internal work can't be done without him, without Jesus. To be like Jesus requires total reliance on him. And remember, like what I said from 2 Corinthians 5, we're a new creature, a new creation. It's as if all of our DNA has been transformed into the DNA of Jesus. And that's what it means to be a disciple, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to my final point. Disciples of Jesus who rely on him over self bear much fruit. And that is what verse 5 says. And we also see it again in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And also in John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so here is kind of the clue of what we can ask for in prayer. So what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about here? I mean, as followers of Jesus Christ, apparently we are to bear fruit. So what kind of fruit is that? Well, there's several possibilities. And the first one, well, is answer prayer. Because we see that here in this passage, that when we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, we can ask him for anything and it'll be done. And that would be bearing fruit, having answered prayers. But also I gave the counter argument that some of us wish to win the lottery and that wish has not come true. So here in verse 16 gives us a better context of how this works. The key here is this. If we ask for things that will bear fruit that last, then God will give it to us. 
And I'm not saying God won't give us those things we, we personally wish for because we do have a generous God who loves to give good things to his children. But our prayer requests have a better success rate if we are asking for things that will further God's work here on earth, especially fruit that will last, which I, I take as for an eternity. The second possibility for fruit that lasts besides answered prayer is fruit of the Spirit, which is talked about in Galatians 5. And I'm not going to ask us to go to Galatians 5 right now, but some of you are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, being love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are character qualities we have or we're supposed to have as Christians, which we are going to bring to heaven with us. They are eternal, and they happen to be how we are like Jesus. So when we have these characteristic characteristics, we look like Jesus. But for us today, I think the best answer is a third option. And the lasting fruit that Jesus is talking about here is the saving of souls. Because in verse 16, the word go is mentioned. That you might go and bear fruit. You recall seeing this anywhere else in the Bible? Yep, in the Great Commission. Jesus' last command to his disciple was to go and make disciples of all nations. And our mission statement here is Christian Layman Church, which you heard earlier, is to make disciples that love God, love people, and serve the world. This is multiplication. And what are we multiplying? What are we making? Well, hopefully people who are followers of Jesus Christ. And this is something we have to keep in mind. We can only make disciples that are like us. I, I like to uh, propagate plants. And one of my favorites is the Christmas or Thanksgiving cactus. And it tends to bloom around the holidays, so hence the name given to that plant. So I think I have a photo of one of my plants. This is the mother plant. And uh, you can see it's blooming, and it does generally around Thanksgiving or Christmas. Now, a plant can only produce a plant like itself. So when I try to propagate, reproduce another Christmas cactus, I take a segment of the cactus leaf from the mother plant, and here you can see in the next photo, I'm trying to grow these segments. And that's a little part of the leaf, and leaf segment, and you can see little roots that are coming out of it. And once they root, I plant them in their own pot of soil. And the hope is these individual segments will eventually grow to be like the mother plant. So that's a little mini mother plant. A Christmas cactus can only produce other Christmas cactus plants. So the question is, what kind of fruit are you producing? Individually or as a church, what kind of fruit are we producing? 
When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the gift of eternal life. The physical part of you will die, but your soul or spirit will live on in eternity. Therefore, a reliance on Jesus over self will bear fruit, and fruit that lasts is people's souls. And so our hope is that we are reproducing disciples who are also reliant on Jesus and not on self, because we as a church are reliant on Jesus. As I've mentioned, this coming year will be a time of transitions for Christian Lehman Church and for our staff. Um, Earlier this weekend, our membership received a letter from me announcing my plans to retire this June. It has been my honor and pleasure to be one of your pastors for the past 25 years, but it is time for new wineskins, for new wine. And turning to God in this next season, it will be critical. We can't rush out and make rash decisions without inviting him into this process. And that can be our blind spot when we have so many capable and skilled leaders. But without Jesus, we cannot do anything. So I invite you to pray for our leaders for wisdom and discernment for this next season as we look into what God has for Christian Lehman Church. And to avoid trappings of the blind spots of self-reliance, our commitment here at CLC is to always make prayer our first priority in planning and decision-making. Like an example that I gave earlier in the fundraising last year. And so my conclusion here to share with you that it is very important to realize, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. With him, we can do anything. And as a response to God's word this morning, I'd like to invite you to stand up if you can. And together, um, we will read from our prayer action plan, which is the basis for our current message series as our act of worship to God. So let's read together, beginning with, we thank God. So we thank God for an openness to God's leading and a willingness to be flexible. We thank God for servant leaders who give their best to glorify God. We thank God for consistent biblical teaching that is relevant and practical. We thank God for worship that is spirit-filled and God-honoring. We thank God for our legacy of committed and gifted lay ministers. We renounce a tendency to rely on our own wisdom, talents, and resources. We announce that we are dependent upon God to bear fruit and ministry. We affirm that only as we abide in Jesus and he in us, we will bear much fruit. And we will make our first priority in planning and decision-making. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your faithfulness to our church for the past century and look forward to how you will use this church for your glory in the next. Be with us in this time of transition. Give us more wisdom that can only come from you. For sure, we are grateful for your son, Jesus. May he lead on. And if we remain in him and he remains in us, 
we can bear fruit that lasts. Bless each person here who has heard your word. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.